While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. If you're driving up 441 past Tallulah Falls at some point, you will pass over the Adam Pool Van Diver Memorial Bridge. Afterwards, you will drive over the Reverend George Van Diver Bridge, or the other way around, depending on which direction you're going. Before we go any further, if you ever intend to drive over those bridges, or really anywhere near Tallulah Gorge, keep an eye on the speed limit, because there are speed cameras on the side of the road that will take a picture of your car, and you'll get a ticket in the mail. I know, because I got one not that long ago. Well, while driving through the area, did you ever wonder who the Van Divers were? Well, I did too. This is Moving Through Georgia, and this week it's Two Bridges in Tallulah. Reverend George Van Diver was born in 1764 in Virginia. Now, the information I have on him is kind of spotty, and it comes from local stories and historical markers, so, you know, take this with a grain of salt. For instance, he is said to have fought in the American Revolution in Virginia, and it is possible that he could have found a useful role in the army at the age of 12 or so, so we'll just take that as a fact. He is mentioned on a historical marker in Fair Play, South Carolina. This mentions him as the first pastor of the Beaver Dam Baptist Church in that community, a church that incidentally counted enslaved people as members of the congregation. He had possibly ten children with his first wife and three with the second. The second wife, Mary Poole, would be the mother of Adam Poole Vandiver. George died in 1833 in Pickens, South Carolina, where he was pastor of Holly Springs Baptist Church. Son Adam was known as the Hunter of Tallulah. He was born in South Carolina in 1787 and spent some of his youth in Kentucky. He also spent some time in the army, first as a private in the War of 1812, and then in what would become known as the Creek War. This began with a regional conflict between Muscogee tribes in the Alabama Territory, and expanded as the new United States began lending assistance and supplies to one faction, and British and Spanish traders did the same with the other side. A lot of people died in this war. Vandiver was apparently part of the Georgia militia and fought at the Battle of Odyssey, where he was known to have killed 20 of the enemy. I'm pulling the basic facts for this episode from a book called Historical Collections of Georgia, which relates stories from the state's founding. It was published in 1855. I will give the author credit. Even though he praises Vandiver for killing more Native Americans than anyone else in the service, he does mention that he killed poor heathen merely because they had an undying passion for the native hills. But, as he also says, it was war and Van Diver was using his rifle as he had been trained and ordered to. After the war, Adam returned to his third wife in northeast Georgia. The place of his residence is claimed by several counties, primarily Union, Rabin, and Habersham. 
Most likely, he moved around a lot, hunting, trapping, and trading with the Cherokee. It was said that he had 30 children among his three wives, and at his return from the wars, there were only five left living at home. The rest had passed away or had grown and left to start their own lives. The book then tells a few stories about Vandiver. When the hunting season began in early November, Vandiver would load his mule with guns, traps, and provisions, then head into the wilderness to collect food until early spring. Now, if you happen to be into hunting, he had two preferred strategies. One was to set fire to the woods, or at least the undergrowth, and shoot the game as it ran to escape. This was called fire hunting, and I'm not even going to list the reasons you shouldn't do this today. The other method was known as still hunting, a method by which it is still known. You can do this too, and you probably already do. Basically, he would walk very quietly through the woods and stop for long periods, standing perfectly still to listen and look for game. A website called Hunter Ed says to stay low, and that you should be still ten times longer than the time you spend moving. One day while hunting, he found himself facing a large gray wolf. Van Diver managed to raise his gun and hit the wolf, but it didn't fall. Instead, it disappeared into the opening of a nearby cavern. Van Diver waited for a while, then concluded that the wolf must have died from its injuries, so he descended into the cavern and met the wolf, still alive. Of course, this meant fighting the wolf with nothing more than human muscle and maybe a pocket knife. And yes, he won that fight and took home a fine wolf pelt for his trouble. In another story, he takes aim at a buck which was on top of a hill or a cliff some 30 feet high. Hitting the buck and seeing it drop, Van Diver climbed up to, uh, to inspect it and when it suddenly got up and charged straight for him. Vandiver could do nothing but grab the buck by the horns and over the ledge the two tumbled down into a freezing cold pool of water. The buck managed to escape and Vandiver survived. Weeks later he would shoot a buck with a wound in its neck and he assumed this was the animal which had driven him into the water. There was only one time that Adam Vandiver was genuinely frightened. One night, while camped in the mountains of Union County, he heard a wolf's cry. Intending to go after it, he climbed a large boulder to get a better look at the terrain, and with a sickening, swinging sensation, he realized the boulder was unstable and was about to roll off the side of the mountain. Luckily, there was a tree branch within reach, and Vandiver was able to grab it and swing down to the ground. Okay, this is Moving Through Georgia, a history podcast that mostly focuses on Northeast Georgia. If you enjoy hearing stories of Northeast Georgia's history and want other people to hear them, you can help with that. All you need to do is give us five stars on whatever podcast platform you listen to. It really does matter. Now, I also have a story that's related in a newspaper called the Oglethorpe Echo, and this particular issue was from 1882, but it says that the story took place 30 years earlier, so that would have been 1850. They mention a farmer named Vandiver who lived in the vicinity of Tallulah Falls, so if it wasn't Adam, it could have been one of his relatives. They say that he had a large clearing and was the most prosperous planter in that section. 
he needed a lot of farmhands and would occasionally hire the local Cherokee to help out with planting or harvesting. So as the story goes, one day a Native American accompanied by a white woman showed up looking for work. The woman seemed a little afraid of her husband, but didn't really give any stories and didn't say that she wanted to leave. So Vandiver hired them. He was a little disappointed because the, uh, the man didn't have a great work ethic and wasn't much use around the farm. They said he spent more time in the woods than on the farm. They stayed about a week, generally being nervous and looking over their shoulders. Eventually, they left. Not an hour after they left, a rider arrived at the farm and asked after the couple. When Vandiver pointed in the direction that they had traveled, the rider immediately took off and a bunch of people from the neighborhood took off to follow him. They were pretty far behind him, but they did hear a rifle shot in the distance. When they got there, the Native American was dead. He had been shot through the chest, but the bullet had actually gone through him and wounded the woman he was with. Well, it turned out the man with the rifle was the husband of the woman that had been wounded, and he had just shot the Native American who had run off with his wife. Back home, the Native American fella had a reputation for magic. He was a local healer, and this man had assumed that the Native American had used some sort of magic to spirit his wife away. She actually said later that she had been home with her children, and this particular Native American came to the door and indicated that she should follow him, and due to some sort of magical charm, she put the children down and followed him. After he died, the spell was broken and she was able to return to her children and her husband. At the time this article was published in 1882, they claimed that the Native American's grave could be seen from the road as people drove by and that locals would happily point it out. I think that's one of the things I'm going to look for or ask for next time I'm in Tallulah. Adam Vandiver is buried in privately held land in Habersham County. He was originally buried near Tallulah Falls, but the damming of the river would have flooded his gravesite, so he was moved. His father, George, may have also been buried at the same site, which would mean him dying in South Carolina and being brought to Georgia for burial, but apparently his grave had deteriorated too much to make moving it feasible. Adam died in 1876 and was considered a Union man when the Civil War broke out, but his sons joined the Confederate Army. One of them, Jephthah M. Vandiver, was killed in an assault on Fort Harrison in 1864. Another served as a colonel in a Georgia regiment.